Wagwan people, welcome back to another episode. Group Genius Podcast in full effect. Live right now with the king, Mr. BJ Armstrong. BJ, how you doing, Maji? Come on, man. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on, Mo? We just hanging. A little basketball. The Phoenix Suns are have taken a commanding 3-1 lead. We got 1-1 in the East. If you saw the way... To talk about. We got a lot to talk about. Yo, if you saw the way my inbox filled up this morning, I thought there was a damn near emergency. I had about 50 people message me the exact same phrase. Can you guess what phrase everyone messaged me this morning? Pandemic P. <laughs> <laughs> you won't let it go, will you? No, uh, no, uh, but here's the thing. I want to let it go now, but it's become such a brand thing. Now I think everyone's just expecting me to go off on the guy. You know, did you see the clip where he misses the free throw and then the cameraman zooms onto Steve Ballmer, who's just got his head right. in his hands down the stretch? Like, right. Paul George, he's been asked to do a lot. No Kawhi. But we'll talk about that in a sec. First, I want to chat to you, bro. You were away this week in Chicago. Yes. Now, before we talk about what you were doing there and all of that, I've got a very important question when it comes to the city of Chicago, where you spent a number of years. And I can't believe I've not spoke to you about this before in all this time that we've been working together. I need your take on Chicago deep pan pizza. Ooh, where you want to go with this? Because where you want to go and, and, and are we keeping it real? Are we, are we, what are we doing here? Tell I'll, me where, I'll tell where you where my are you take. going with this. I'll tell you my take and I'll keep it 100, okay. right? All my okay. friends in Chi-Town, they told me, listen, come through, come through. You've got to try the Chicago town pizza. So I came through all-star weekend, 2020. I'm excited and, and I'm lactose intolerant. So I'm not even supposed to eat pizza. So if I'm going to eat a pizza, it's a big deal. It's a special occasion for me. I went there, ordered the Chicago. They took me to like the best spot in town, whatever it was, Chicago deep pan pizza. And right. they gave me like a tomato pie with some cheese on. It was disgusting. It was Ooh. trash, Ooh. trash. Beer. And anyone from Chicago is listening. I know you're going to be offended, but that was trash. That's my take on it. But obviously you spent a number of years there. I'm guessing okay. NBA players don't eat much pizza. Well, depends yeah, on who you're NBA talking players to. Eat a, eat a lot of pizza. <laughs> NBA players eat a lot of pizza. How are you going to stay and play in Chicago and not eat pizza? That's, but but what's your uh, take on it? What are you going to Because I'm more of right. New York. So, New York slices me. All right. New York. I, I'm a thin crust pizza guy. Mm. I'm a thin crust. In Detroit, we like thick crust. Okay, so I grew up with square pizzas in Detroit. That's a Detroit thing. <laughs> okay. 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 So we like thick crust, burnt on the side, and square pizzas in Detroit. That's, that sounds uh, what I'm Googling that right now. Detroit pizza. Yeah, yeah. It's a, they, do, they do square. So we do square. Oh, wow. So I see. Chicago. Yeah, so Chicago... Do they do the pan? Now the pan, the pan pizza, you gotta go, you gotta get the right ingredients, whatever it is you like, right? You like sausage, you like pepperoni, you like mushroom, but it's it's literally one piece is that's the meal. Because if you do it right, that's just one piece. You know, you know, like in the, you know, when you think of pizza, you always think, you know, you're gonna have two, three, or whatever it is. You gotta get the right ingredients. So I don't know what ingredients you had, but it's good, but it's not. It's not my favorite. It's, it's not pizza. It's just, That's my. Yeah, thing. It's, it's it. not pizza. It's a pie. No, it's like, you, 
it's a pie because you have to eat it, in my opinion, okay, Chicago, the natives from Chicago, they eat it with their hands. But when you eat it, you got to like, <laughs> I always ate it with a, 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 a fork and a knife. That's yep. the only way you can eat it. Okay. And it's like one slice is the meal. Mm. So if you don't like it, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you didn't have the right, you didn't have the right ingredients, but it's good. I don't like pan. I don't like the, uh, I don't like the Chicago style pizza from everywhere though. I, feel I don't like it from everywhere. All right. All right? But it, it's, it's good, but you gotta know, like, this is what I like. And if anything on there, you don't like, yuck because yeah. it's a lot of everything mm. next time i'm out you gotta get me right with it but yeah yeah for sure you were in shy town this week tell us what you were doing there so i was in chicago for the pre-draft and last year it was you know you had to postpone it because of the pandemic and covid and all of the the protocols and things we had to do but this year it opened back up so the chicago pre-draft the players were there the players were playing the combine all right? of the executive yeah the combine the chicago combine and it was great because we had an opportunity really to see each other for really for the first time where everyone was there the league the players you know the executives agents and it was terrific so it was an excellent opportunity to see the players there, but more importantly, be able to talk face to face with the executives that were present at that time. For real. Now, there's some kids coming out of this draft that I, I feel like the kids coming into the league are getting better and better and better every year now. Because you look at what the last year's rookie class did Lamelo, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, all these guys coming in. And a lot of them, even the late first round picks, even second round picks, are making immediate contributions to their teams. Now, this year's draft class coming in, like they said last year's was weak. This year's one is considered stacked. And last year's one turned out pretty nice. So this year's one, any players, I don't know how much you're allowed to say, but any players that were at the combine that you looked at and thought, I can't wait to see him play in the NBA. Well, the top guys who are the lottery, the guys that you're oh, referring yeah. to did not participate. Yeah. Uh, so it's really hard to see players in this type of setting because when you have a, a combine type setting, or an all-star type setting, the guards really dominate the play. So it's very hard to see players here, other than you can see what kind of athletes they are. Can they, you know, can they defend? How are they against higher caliber athletes uh, than you probably see in the collegiate level? Because, you know, everyone here is, is a fairly good athlete. So those players that you're referring to, I did not get a chance to see. Um, but it was good that you were able to, you know, many of the teams were able to actually have conversation with them and interview them and really for the first time be able to make a face-to-face -face connection. So that was good from that, from that viewpoint. But all of the top players that you're referring to, no, none of those players participated in, uh, in this combine. Did you go through the combine, the early pre-draft one? Because I know there's one closer to the actual draft, but it is oh my it's already almost july i can't believe how fast time's going do you remember yours you went you must have gone to the pre-draft combine because i think it's only fairly recently players have started not participating do you remember yours what was your experience like yeah i do remember mine um it was held in orlando so it when i was earlier in in college um my first couple of years it was always held in 
Hawaii, which was great. <laughs> I wish they would bring that back. Mm -hmm. hey, no one would miss that trip. Hey, I'd become and a then scout. Then we went from, yeah, exactly. <laughs> then it went from Orlando to, I think, no, I went from Hawaii, I think, to Phoenix and then Orlando or vice versa. But mine was in Orlando. And a real quick story. So I get down there to Orlando. We have a couple of practices. Everything was good. And Mo, I, I'm very fortunate. I never had a significant injury, a significant injury where, you know, I tore, you know, an ACL or something like that. The very first play, the jump ball, Mo, I break my hand. Mo, Mo, and, and here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing, Mo. No one was around. So I, I remember the jump ball, you know, the guards are always in the backcourt. Yep. And I, and, and I, Mo, I just grab the ball with my left hand and my hand breaks. Sheesh. Mo, no one's around me. Sheesh. So, oh. so I heard something, but I was like, I, Mo, it's like no one's around me. It's like me now grabbing a water bottle and my hand breaks. You're like, that can't be. Yeah. So yeah. I go to dribble the ball. I go to dribble the ball and I lose the ball. And I'd look down and my hand is broken. The very first play. Okay. Nah. Mo, it wasn't, it wasn't Mo like it was a scramble or I got hand. It was a so that was my experience now. But here's the really funny part about it. So I break my hand, I go to dribble the ball, and then I was like, something's not right. So I, I call a timeout and the referee's like, what's going on? And I go and I, I find out my hand was broken. The player who replaced me, who wasn't even in Chicago, you know who that player was? Go on. Tim Hardaway. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So Tim Hardaway, Tim Hardaway comes, yeah, wins the MVP, wins the MVP, and and you know, he he's had a phenomenal career, Hall of Fame like career. Hope he gets in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the original and, uh, crossover so the, king. The original crossover. So that was uh, that was my experience. So I never got a chance to play. So my, luckily for me, um, I had like eight weeks or whatever for my hand to recover before the draft. I ended up getting drafted, I think 18th, somewhere around there. Um, yep. I go 18th to Chicago. So I never participated or had a chance to play because I broke my hand. Like that's the only injury I ever had during my collegiate career. I, fortunately, I was I was fairly healthy in my pro career, but that happened, Mo, in the weirdest way. Like, literally, I broke my hand on a jump ball because I just grabbed the ball. And it's crazy looking at that chain of events because you missing that, Tim Hardaway comes in, takes the spot. He goes on to have a career in the NBA. He goes on to have a son in Tim Hardaway Jr. who played this season. The Mavs made yep. the playoffs. The Mavs lose to the Clippers. The Clippers get to the Western Conference Finals for the first time. And Mo delivers a beautiful segue into our next topic, the Western Conference Finals. Crazy yes. how the, the chain of events works. The little butterfly effect from you breaking your hand. But let's talk about this, man, because we, we got Phoenix with a 3-1 lead. I don't think anyone wants to tell Chris Paul about 3-1 league because he's been in that position before and it, and it ain't worked out so well. So you texted me something interesting before the game yesterday. You said if Clippers win this, they're going to go on to win the series. It was a yes. very winnable game. It was a very grind it out sort of game. Low scoring. What's your take on it now? Suns to the final. Surely they can't throw away. I know they say they're an experience in this, but DeAndre Ayan out here, I'm proclaiming it now. The third best big man in the NBA right now. You know what? DeAndre Ayton, 
you know, I remember us talking earlier. And when Chris Paul came to when Chris Paul came to the Phoenix Suns, I, I thought DeAndre Ayton was going to be the most improved player in the NBA. Why? Because Chris Paul, what he does for bigs, it's 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 a beautiful collaboration that they have. I remember when he played with Tyson Chandler. Yeah. And I thought and David thought, West and David West and all of the bigs he's played DeAndre Jordan. Chris Paul is really a magician because he has. You know, he's he can get to the lane, but he's not the greatest finisher at the basket. But he gets to the lane and he delivers. And yeah. he knows how to deliver the bigs. And if any big that can finish at the rim, Tyson Chandler, DeAndre Jordan, I thought, oh, wow, DeAndre Ayton is going to benefit more than anyone from this relationship. I thought that at the beginning of the year. And now you can see the dividends of DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul. I mean... They are a nice, nice combo. Yep. It's it's it's, it's because now it creates space for Chris Paul because the bigs are, are afraid to leave. If they do leave, all you got to do is throw it to the basket. This kid has amazing hands. He finishes at the top. He's terrific. While we're here, you though, know, you know, Chris Paul is getting a lot of credit, and rightly so, and yes. rightly so. But I do have to give the credit to first of all, the boy pulled down twenty-two boards last night. Yes. If he doesn't well, board all those times, they don't win that. And also, he's had one of the most, I don't know the exact stat, right? But he's had one of the most efficient postseasons of all time when it comes to scoring a basketball. Because every night you look at a box score, 50% from the field is a bad night for him. You're looking at him and he's going 9 for 12, 12 for 14. Like the efficiency that, because they're, they've got two great guards, he knows he's got to make the most of his opportunities when he does have the ball. And he's done an excellent job of whether it's Chris Paul, whether it's Devin Booker, whether it's campaign, whoever is on the, on, on the court with him. Cause Chris Paul did miss those right. two games. He's d- done for a second year player, third year player. Now, I guess he's done an amazing job. Um, so I think as great as Chris Paul is, I feel like a lot of times, especially with ESPN, a lot of these guys are giving all the credit to Chris Paul and don't get me wrong. He's done a great job. But the hunger and the heart of this kid now, coming in 19 and 22, they don't win this. They don't. They don't get this far without him in the playoffs. They don't win this series without him. And he's looking like, you know, like you said, he's the best third player in the league. But it's getting to the point where moving forwards, it's going to be him and Booker are those top two in Phoenix. CP is not going to be around forever now. CP is coming towards the end of it. How do you like those two as a duo? Forget this season. Moving forward as building blocks, Booker and Aiton. Well, I, 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 I love the step that you've seen with Devin Booker, okay? And going back to your, your first question here, I just want to say, the reason I thought, before I answer that question, the reason I thought Devin Booker and Chris Paul and company needed to win this game was because of the following. Two things happened that no one was talking about. One, it's difficult to play. I don't know if you've ever played, Mo, with a mask on. Oh, no. So when Devin Booker, when Devin Booker broke his nose or had the collision there with Pat Bev, I thought that was going to really affect his game in game three. Okay. And it did when he, it it did. I thought, because when you play with that mask on, you can't see with your peripheral vision and you're sweating with this plastic thing on your face. It's just a different vibe, right? You, you get a condensation you know, in it as well, so it goes steamy. Yeah, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's 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 a different vibe. And I thought 
that was going to be huge. And then the second thing I thought was going to be huge was Chris Paul was in protocol. So it wasn't like he could be riding a bike, getting up mm. shots. And do, he was literally 10 days at his age doing nothing. <laughs> so I was like, okay, there's no way that they can win game three, but they have to win game four. Yeah. Because it was just too much going on. Okay. So that kind of played itself out in game three. Game four, they came with a sense of urgency. Okay. This kid, DeAndre Ayton, what's amazing about him is he does two things. We, we talk about his stats and his scoring. Okay. He did have 19 points. He did have 22 rebounds. But where he has really done an incredible job is he's an incredible screener. Rudy yeah. Gobert is a really good screener. And that's a lost art, especially for bigs. Now, he does a great job of screening for Chris Paul selfishly because he knows that Chris Paul is going to get on the ball if he sets a good screen. And, and the most improved thing, and real quick, the most yeah. improved part of Devin Booker's game is his abil ability to facilitate when he's coming off of screens now. Mm -hmm. This is what I love more about Devin Booker than anything. He could always score. But what I really love about him now is that he comes off the score and he reads. He gets the guy, the, the, the corner guy, he does an exceptional job. The slip pass now to DeAndre, to DeAndre Ayton. One, he's even making plays now off of one or two dribbles, which yeah. is very difficult to do because he's doing it in traffic. That to me is the key, but it's all, this is all happens because DeAndre Ayton with his size and his abil physical ability, he's become an excellent screener. Yeah, I just wanted to add to the point about a screener. One thing that's a very subtle touch that goes under the radar is not just his ability to screen, but when he re-screens. You see, when he comes yes. and sets the pick on the left of the defender, the defense called out, and you will see him pivot and shift to the right-hand side. So Chris Paul gives it a little hezzy and goes the other way. Devin Booker can go. His ability to re-screen after that initial screen opens up so much for Phoenix. That's why I love it. Because a lot of yeah. bigs, they'll come out and they, they just set the pick. And, and that's their right. job done. Either the guard uses it or they don't, and then dive to the bucket. Whereas DeAndre, he uses a great, he sees, he can read whether CP or book or, or campaign or whoever those guys is going to go with it. If not, then he rescreens for them on the opposite side. And I think that's a, just a nice little subtlety in his game that even though he's a young player, he's playing, he's been watching Draymond Green or, or a more advanced level player in terms of doing those things. Because right. young guys typically don't come into the league and do that. They come and they'll set the screen. And I, I was talking to one, one big who came into the league during his rookie year. And, I, and he was like, the biggest thing for me is when you see the shot clock gets to 10 seconds, you go set a pick and then roll to the basket. Whereas DeAndre, and he plays with almost like a patience at times mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you wouldn't expect from someone of his age. Yeah, he, 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 he really has done an incredible job. He's the anchor on, the, on this team, on the defensive end. He's always talking. And you know what I love more than anything, Mo? Is mm -hmm. his personality is coming out? What mm -hmm. a great personality he has! Mm -hmm. Like he's fun. He, he has a he has a nice spirit about himself. I think he's from the Bahamas. Yeah, representing you know, for the a, islands. Yeah, you know he has a he has that cheerful personality, and he's a phenomenal basketball player. Okay, so I mean, you think about that draft. Aiden, you know, he's in the conference finals. Trey Young's in the conference finals. Luka Doncic. So you can see that that draft is really shaping out to have some impactful players. And DeAndre Ayton, he is, 
now I think he he's showing people why he was the number one pick mm-hmm. because he has a terrific, terrific ability. But you've heard me say this many times, Mo. You can't have a big without having a guard because those guys need the ball, need them to get them the ball. And Chris Paul is really, really elevated, you know, DeAndre Ayton. But more importantly, what he's done there, rightfully so, he should get some credit or most of the credit for what he's done there in Phoenix. But it's been a collective effort. So that draft class, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, even I think Jaron Jackson Jr. has got a lot to show when he can get clear of injuries. I think even right. Marvin Bagley, if he can get out of Sacramento, yes. he's got some raw potential that I feel like in the right place, he can show yeah, why I, he I, was the second pick. Above I, all, I agree with guys. that, Mo. I, I agree with that, Mo. It, you know, Bagley, Jaron Jackson Jr., those guys are very, very talented, right? And I think, you know, a lot of times it just takes those time, take those guys a little longer. You know, Marvin Bagley was young when he came in the league. I think he reclassified. So this kid has a lot, a lot of, he has a lot of talent, a lot of raw ability that you could see. And again, I think if he can just maintain his health, because he's always, you know, he'll show you 15, 20 games and then something happens, you know, 15 to 20 games. But if he could just maintain his health, and settle in, I think that kid Marvin Backley has a chance, along with Jaron Jackson Jr., to be a terrific player and a very impactful player, especially when he talked about winning and losing in this league. Yeah, and I think this season is so key for them because we've already seen Luka Doncic go and get that Supermax extension. Or we, we could talk about Dallas later on. He, he's probably going to sign it, but with all the chaos happening there, I don't want to say for sure. Trey Young is going to get the bag. DeAndre Ayton himself. He's in the third year of a four-year, $40.4 million rookie contract. He's eligible for a five-year, $168 million extension after this season. Now, obviously, it's not going to be as high as Lucas because he's not made the all-star teams and the all-NBA team. So he's not eligible for the full super, super max, but he's about to get that bag and they have to give him that bag. So, Yeah, you got to give the the big fellas earned it. I mean... What a great time to be a young player in the NBA. Let's hey. say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, more power to him. More power to him. It's going to be interesting because they've got to pay bridges. Chris Paul obviously is looking. I heard a rumor that he's looking to, because he's got one year left on his player option. I heard he's looking for a three-year, 100 mil um, to kind of less money, but over more years, a little bit more security in that contract. I don't know what they're going to go with it. All I know is the Phoenix Suns, are looking to win this now. Sometimes the contracts and the stars align perfectly. I said this on Heat Check, the stars are looking like they're aligning perfectly. Um, I think the Phoenix Suns, they're my pick for the NBA Finals, regardless of if they meet the Bucks or the Hawks. Let's talk about the Bucks and the Hawks. Yes, let's do that, because I'm excited. You know you know, you know, know, Giannis is my guy. Yep. You know I'm ready to talk about Giannis anytime. Bro, first, and, first of all, um, f- first of all, it takes something special, because I watch basketball, like I watch every game. If I can, even on games where there's a 12-game slate, I will find a way to try and watch every game possible, right? So it takes a lot for me to jump out of my chair. When I'm watching a game, I think this season, there haven't been that many moments. There's been like when Anthony Edwards dunked on the Toronto Raptors, I jumped out of my chair and I was like, oh my God. So so there's a few, few moments, right? But there was one finish from Giannis where he comes down the lane with the left, gets the spin move on Capella, and he looks like he's about to bang on him. And then he gives it the little finger roll with the mid-air adjustment. Oh, man. And what, I just stood up was and I was just looking around the room like, do you guys understand the level of difficulty for a seven-foot player to come out? Like, and, and, and one of my guys on Twitter tweeted me, he's like, I think there's only 10 seven-footers in the world that could do that. I said, there's not even 10. 
I said this. Giannis and KD. I, I, I don't think KD can do it. Because there we go. Take, but so, and here's why. Here's why. Every player who plays in the NBA understands, right? When you come into the league, guys get impressed with like vertical. Oh, this guy has a 45 inch vertical. This guy is so fast or whatever. It's all about the hands. Hands are the, that's what separates Jordan from the other guys mm -hmm. is his hands. Okay. So if you have hands, you can move the ball. KD probably could do the move, but I don't think he has the hands to move the ball midair with one hand like that. Yeah, like, I feel you. Maybe, maybe Dr. J could do that. Mm. Maybe Jordan could do that. Vince Carter could do that. You know, you know, like when you think of Kawhi, like, like, like you got Kawhi have Leonard could do. Yeah, you got to have the you got to have the mittens to do that. You know, mm. if you ever watch film of John Stockton, mm -hmm. when I met John Stockton for the first time, John Stockton's hands were huge for him being such a little guy. If you ever watch him as a guard, you see how to pass the ball, but most of us don't have big enough hands to do it off of one, with yeah. one hand. Yeah, yeah, he's playing like John, baseball. If you look at, John, John Stockton was throwing one hand passes as a six foot, six one guard. Mm -hmm. So that's why he was such a great passer because things that we needed to do with two hands to grab the ball, pass it, he could be like dribbling it and bam. Mm. And that little split second is the difference between that pass getting through and getting it. John Stockton had the biggest hands. Big hands, that's a huge thing. And especially big for guys like Patrick Ewing. Like I remember, when, you know, playing against Patrick Ewing was we always tried to make Patrick Ewing pass the ball out of a double team with one hand because he didn't have big enough hands to hold the ball like Kareem and Shaq <laughs> and all of those other guys. Now you're laughing, but that's a big yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever see Jordan, like, you know, people go, remember that he would do the fake? Yeah. Imagine how big your hands got to do to just grab the ball and do that, like in a game, let alone just playing around. Mm -hmm. So having those big hands, when, 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 when you saw Giannis move that ball, like you're like, how big is her hands? Dwayne Wade had big hands. So having like, yeah. if you could say, what's the one thing that you could give me if I, if I could say, if I was building a perfect player, just give that player hands because well, the hands well, allow you to do things. I've, I, I get your point, but on the contrary, there is a, a school of thought and some people I've spoken to have said, sometimes the hands being so big, like Rajon Rondo is a guy with like Rajon Rondo has got a strong, huge hands, beautiful right? hands, and you see how great beautiful he is hands. at passing. But that's why he struggled with his shooting when he first came into the league, because someone explained it to me once. They said it's like me trying to shoot with a tennis ball in a basketball hoop. It's easy to throw a pass, like I throw a pass with a tennis ball, but trying to hit it with a finesse or a free throw kind of worked against him in that way when it came to shooting. And obviously he's figured out yeah. now because he's hitting huge shots every time he's on the court. Yeah, it, 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 it does. It does mow. But here's the one thing. I was very fortunate. I had, I had some great instructors, some great coaches. And, the, the, you know, I didn't have like big hands. I had like average size hands. But the one thing that makes you, you know, that I learned very early is that everything is done with your fingertips. Mm -hmm. That's what that to me, that's the biggest mistake. 
people make when they're learning how to shoot. It's like, when you have big hands, the ball can just sit right in your hand, right? That's just like comfortable, right? It's, but when you are playing the game, like, it's like a- mm -hmm. You got to finesse. You got to be, you got to finesse with it. You know what I'm saying? And, and when you have big hands, you know, it's not, not it's not normal for you to do this, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's not normal. So yeah. I think over time, you know, you see those guys and whenever I see a guy, like I remember I would watch Shaq and he, and he it, knew Shaq was practicing. He's holding he was, it like this on his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He was holding like that, but, but early in his career, he was holding it right in his palm. And yeah. that's what, to me, R Rondo and all those guys, Even that's Giannis, why they yeah. you can't shoot. Giannis and these guys, like when you watch Giannis now, it's slowly but surely going to come up. That's why I know at some point he's going to be a good shooter because yep. it just takes time for those guys to figure out how to move their hands closer to play with their fingertips. He's finding his rhythm and he's been good from the line for like, um, let's have a look at the last game. Since they started counting down in the crowd in Brooklyn, I feel like he's found his rhythm almost. Uh, the last game he was three for four from the free throw line. And then game one, he was uh, six from eight from the free throw line. Oh. So so he's finding it. Do you know what I'm saying? He's And, and it's good oh, to point. Yeah. You notice why he's only took four in the last game. He's hitting them now. So, you know, almost the opposite of Ben Simmons is, I agree with what Scotty Pippen said this week. I don't know if you heard that from your boy, where he said... I, I, I heard that. I, I heard what he said. And what, I mean, what, what was his take on it? Well, he said the difference between Giannis and Ben Simmons is Giannis isn't afraid of being humiliated. He will airball two free throws, come back down the court and shoot another two free throws without caring what anyone in the arena thinks. And I, from, from the outside perspective, I have to agree because Giannis doesn't care if he airballs a hundred shots, he's still going to let it fly <laughs> because I've seen him do it. Like I've seen him pull up from three airball and the next position that I'll pull up from three and score. And he just rolls with it. Whereas Ben is the opposite way. We don't need to talk about him too much on this because we're going to talk about the conference right. finals. But, but I agree with, with that, Giannis isn't afraid of being, I wouldn't say humiliated, because I don't think it's humiliating to miss a free throw, right? But as in Giannis has a great job of the next play mentality. And that's what, from speaking to all great players, there's one thing I've gathered is a great player, especially like Tim Duncan, right? He could have the biggest shot of his career, you know, one second left on a shot clock, five seconds left in the game, he could bank it in off the glass. He'll run back right. on defense and have the same mentality as if he airballed that same shot. The, whatever happens on the offensive end, by the time he gets back on defense, he's forgotten about it, and then he's ready to go again. That's one thing I've learned from the great players is they have the next play mentality. They're not worried about whether they just scored the best shot of their life or missed the worst shot of their life. They're just going to keep playing. And that's what, for me, is why I say to people, I'm cool with Giannis shooting that because he's going to start hitting them eventually. Well, you know, Mo, I, I think you've identified what it takes to be a great player. We we concentrate so much on the physicality of the game. We see these incredible athletes, you know, what they can do, right? You see Kevin Durant, you go, wow, here's a seven-footer. You see Giannis, you see Shaq, you see all of these guys. But the mental part, Mo, is the part that you, you don't know. Mm -hmm. And there is a quality that you've identified here. And every great player it's either you have it or you don't. I don't think you can teach someone, right? Mo, Bro. like you have to have a short memory. If mm -hmm. you're going to be a great player, like to all of the young listeners who are listening out here right now, if you're going to be a great player, you have to have a short memory. It's impossible to be a great player and not have it. 
you mo like like if i miss five or seven shots in a row like you know i i was like okay i gotta i gotta get myself an easy one right i gotta get a layup i gotta get to the free throw line because i gotta get i say i gotta see the ball go through the basket yeah. it's like mm -hmm. a confidence thing right mm -hmm. that's a natural way to do it right i didn't lose confidence but i wanted to see the ball i wanted to make sure that I, you know, okay, my shots wasn't going tonight, so I got to get myself to where, mm -hmm. but you can't teach someone to be Michael Jordan. See, that's the thing, because Michael Jordan would miss 10 shots, 15 shots in a row, and it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. See that, you can't teach someone to be Allen Iverson. You can't teach someone to be Kobe Bryant. Either you have that or you don't. And, and I think that applies to life, because whether it's, uh, you send out 10 job interviews, you got to go on to the next one. Whether you, this yes. is what I tell, tell the young G's. I'm like, listen, I don't care if them five girls over there curved you, you shoot your shot another one. You do your <laughs> thing. You so, so I put it, That's I put right. it into context. Like we always draw the parallels between music and sports, right? For me, this whole confidence thing, it's like battle rap. I'm a big fan of battle rap, right? Now, if me and you are having a battle and you spit your verse, but then I spit my verse, and the DJ wheels it up, the crowd goes crazy. You have two, you have two options, right? Either you can get lost in the moment and see the crowd going crazy, laughing at you, the DJ reloading my verse, and you can start thinking about that, getting in your head, and you'll choke. Or you can just think, yo, forget that. I'm gonna go in again. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. That's the way I see the difference between Giannis and Ben Simmons. Is I'm looking at Ben Simmons, he's like Eminem at the start of eight mile. And Giannis is like Eminem at the end of Eight Mile. You see how at the start of the movie, he's forgetting his bars and, and the crowd is too much and he's in his head about getting cussed out. But then by the end of the movie, he don't care. He's doing his thing. That's the way well, I see the I, difference in the confidence. I, I can say this about Giannis. I mean, you can obviously tell the way he plays that he's shooting. I love him because he's stubborn. I love stubborn players. <laughs> I love stubborn players, right? Because stubborn is a sign of, of confidence. It's not cocky. You're just confident. The reason Giannis shoots those shots is because he practices those shots. Now, yeah. he makes them in practice, I'm sure. But it hasn't translated yet to consistently doing, doing it in the game. Self-awareness mode is very important. He is aware of the following. If he gets a consistent jump shot, it's a wrap, Mo. Oh, Mo. unstoppable, unstoppable. Mo, Mo, Mo. It's, a, it, 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 it's a wrap. That's the only thing you can say about his game. Mm -hmm. Mo, you can't say anything else about his game. Like, you can't say he doesn't pass it. You can't say he doesn't defend. You can't say he doesn't play hard. You can't say he doesn't play winning basketball. I think you he plays harder he than anyone in this league. Mo, he gives... First, second, third efforts mm -hmm. on every play. Mm -hmm. He plays in transition. He plays in half court. He can be a decoy. He can be a screener. Mo, there's one piece that's missing from his game, and he's aware of it. And once that happens, Mo, I think, and why I love him, he can go on a run and dominate this league, Mo, like we haven't seen maybe since a Jordan. He won back-to-back -back MVPs without the jump shot. 
This is what I'm Mo. This is what makes me Mo. That's what makes me nervous about him. <laughs> he did this without a jump shot, and Mo, we all know he doesn't. Mo, it's like okay, we know this guy doesn't have a jump shot, and we still can't do anything. Mm-hmm. He reminds me a little bit. There was a guard I used to play against. His name is Rod Strickland. Yep. Everybody knew Rod Strickland was going to the basket. And there was nothing you could do. You, you, you just kept backing up. You kept backing up. <laughs> Everybody knew. The coaches would be like, Rod is going left. Okay. Try stopping Rod. Mm-hmm. You know Giannis is driving. Yep. And we still can't do anything to, uh, uh, with him. And once he puts it all together, Mo, I just think he's going to have a five or six year run, Mo, where everything is going to really slow down. Because think about it, Mo. They're going to have to. You're going to have to defend him differently at that stage of his career. Oh, you don't. You, you you can't defend him. If you're telling me he keeps this level of athleticism, he's what 26. So let's yeah. say he keeps this level of athleticism for the next five years, and if he can shoot the jumper, you can't oh, guard him. You can't because he's oh, basically I, 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 Kevin Durant but strong, and no one can guard Kevin Durant. So imagine Kevin Durant with 250 pound of muscle. You can't stop him. Well, uh, I I just think this kid, I, I I love the kid because he gives so much effort and he gives so much to the game. The fact that he had, he's a seven footer given this type of energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, this is really like, I haven't seen a player like him before in the NBA. And I love his mentality. I love the fact that he's defiant, that he shoots the three and everyone's like, no, no. And he keeps shooting it. Yeah, and he he banks it in like he banked it. I think in Game Seven in the in the Brooklyn, he like he he banked in a three, and he just started laughing. The my, fact that he has that type of awareness to me is great. My only issue with him shooting threes is even if he was making them, is the timing. I just I'm not a fan of early offense transition pull up threes unless you're Stephen Curry or Clay Thompson. Do you see what I'm saying? When when he's got the ball in transition, I, I, and there's 21 seconds on the shot clock. If I was coach, I would say, listen, go go to the bucket or make a pass. I'm comfortable with you shooting, but we don't need that shot. And I'm like nitpicking at little parts of the game. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, but yeah, 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 yeah. aside from that, it's get, and I think after watching the first two games, they're tied one apiece. I can't see if the if the Bucks played like they did, because because here's the thing: the games against Brooklyn, they weren't being beaten by the Brooklyn Nets they were losing the game themselves because all of our criticisms for those games wasn't the way they were defending Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn got really hot in game two with great ball movement. Cool. But aside from that, the Bucs were losing the games themselves. They were making terrible decisions on the offensive end. But this game two against Atlanta, they finally looked to me like they started making the right plays and putting together stretches when they went on that 20 to nothing run it looked like they were looking like themselves that we saw in the first round. It looked like who we saw in the first round of the playoffs. And if they play like that for the rest of the series, they're going to be matched up with the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals, in my opinion. Do you think I, Trey I agree. can... Because yeah. Trey, and, and not just Trey, because Trey's getting all the credit, but the Atlanta Hawks, the whole team, has had a fantastic season. And I think I said it to you in the first round. I said... Either the Knicks or the Hawks is going to massively overachieve here and their expectations for next year are now going to be crazy. I, I, you know, I'm a great observation by you. I think you are, you are correct because now the Atlanta Hawks will have to play next season with the expectations of getting past. Mm-hmm. If they don't get 
asked this year in the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's a whole lot different mode than playing with expectations and no one's expecting you to do anything. Because earlier in the season this year, we didn't even expect the Atlanta Hawks to make the playoffs until the coaching, until the coaching change. So now, in my humble opinion, they're playing with house money right now. Mm-hmm. They win and everyone goes, ah, ah, they won't win the series. Ah, they win the game, another game <laughs> they win. Now, I finally think after two rounds that the coaches are finally saying, we have the game plan against Trey Young. Because traditionally, mode smaller players haven't been able to just dominate and carry a series. They can win a game or two, but a smaller player of his size, right? I mean, there's really been only one point guard ever, ever, Mo, in the history of the game that you built a team around and won a championship, and his name was Isaiah Thomas. Okay, Allen Iverson was really a two guard. Steph Curry, he's a one and a half or something, but you can The difference between Trey Young and these guys is that they are actually facilitating every single time down the floor where Steph Curry and Allen Iverson didn't do it. And also with Stephen Curry, not to take away from Stephen Curry, because I still think he's the greatest point guard of this generation. And I think it's way too early for people to make in these, you know, I saw on Twitter and and all these American TV shows talking about Trey is better than Stephen, whatever. But the Golden State Warriors, they had a great system. The way they had the ball movements, they had a squad with loads of veterans. The way they had that ball movement and the offense that they were running, Draymond was almost a point guard for those teams. You know, right. you see him dictating the offense, whereas well, it Trey, be, is really, it Trey is really the focal point and the front and center. Trey, Trey, Trey's greatest asset, if you ask me, which is different than Steph. Steph look, if you didn't have Steph Curry scoring the basketball you're not utilizing his talent steph curry can come off screens like no other he can play in transition like no other Mm -hmm. he can shoot he he just if you didn't utilize him off the ball you're not utilizing his talent Mm -hmm. if i just stuck steph curry and asked him to run a team and be a traditional point guard like those other guys like trey young or isaiah thomas then that's not utilizing his talent he's He's some type of hybrid. I don't know what he is. He's some type of the difference. Trey Young, his greatest ability is he can manage a game. Think about it. This guy has 40 point games and then an 18 assist game Mm. from the same player. Now, Mo, you're talking about a different type of player now. Guy has 48 in a playoff game and then he has 18 assists. That's very difficult with that type of talent. So that means you can manage time and score. Mo, Mm. that is a gift. Okay, Chris Paul is perhaps one of the best. Rondo, those guys, Jason Kidd, Magic Johnson. Mm. Normally, when you find guys who can manage time and score, John Stockton, they're not excellent scorers. Now, and that's what Trey Young is. He did struggle. Game two, 15 points, two rebounds, three assists, minus 29. The Bucs did a great job, and I want to give credit here to Brook Lopez. In they had him dropping in that pick and roll coverage and screen coverage, but he stopped dropping so far deep into the paint. And they also had the, you know, when, when the Hawks run their sets with the horn sets with, with two screeners for Trey, they shifted the entire team, especially when it's high up on the court. 
they shifted the entire defense upwards so that he didn't get that space to make his decision of whether he's pulling up, whether he's hitting the floor, whether he's making a pass, reading the floor. They really took away kind of his airspace, as it were. And I think that, as you say, the game plan stopping a player like Trey Young, that's what it is. Well, I think it's time to say Trey Young is on, he's not on the cuffs anymore of becoming a superstar. He's now, he's moved into that category now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you don't, okay, the first round, you're like, okay, good series. Second round, Trey Young stepped up, okay? Now he comes in in game one here. And what's, what was amazing about game one of this conference finals was the Milwaukee Bucks did not game plan against Trey Young because they felt like the other two opponents. Yeah, he'll get his, but we'll be okay. We can withstand that. Well, Trey Young now is letting you know, I can win a series, okay? Now, here's the thing. Here's the adjustment they made, Mo, and, and I don't and I, I, I don't I don't want to put this little gem out here, but I'm gonna give you a little gem on how to stop a small guard. All right, I'm here. When you play it against a small guard, if you want to be a small guard to all the small guards who are listening, you have to be able to finish with your offhand. That's mm-hmm. the key to being a great player. That's the mm-hmm. key. Okay. Because we know because of our size disadvantage, I can stop a floater. I can stop a runner. The runner and the floater is only good if you can get to the basket. (laughs) It's only good if you have the ability to get to the basket. Trey Young can get to the basket. Okay. To offset that, to counter the bigs, he now has a floater and a runner in his game. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now what you have to do defensively is, okay, if I'm going to game plan against this guy, I'm going to make him finish with this offhand and I'm going to trail him so that he can't shoot a floater. He can't shoot a runner. His only option is to shoot it. Now, if you can picture that game, Brooke Lopez mm-hmm. started liking his shot because now we're just going to force him to play with his offhand. The reason that Kyrie Irving is so great and so prolific as a, as a scoring guard is this ability to get to the basket with this left hand. Derrick Rose. You see, you, you, you see uh, Steph Curry, those guys, John Moran. You have to be able to finish with your left hand. Why? Because the bigs are always top, taught to block shots with their left hand because most of us are right-handed. Mm-hmm. So James Harden has an advantage when he drives because he's already left-handed. It mm-hmm. kind of, it, it's, it's an awkward response. Yeah, it's, it's tough to guard lefties. Manu Ginobili, James Like, Carl, like Carlos Booth. So Carlos Boozer always had an ability to finish in the paint, even though he wasn't a, a, a great athlete, is because mm-hmm. he would always finish around the basket with his left hand. So your left hand is the key in traffic. I saw the Milwaukee Bucks saying, we're going to make Trey Young now finish at the basket with his left hand. That's what they did. Now, great players, great players, Mo, will never have back-to-back bad games. Mm-hmm. A superstar bowl will never have a back-to-back bad game. That's facts. Okay? So what I'm interested to see is, I don't care that he had a bad game, Trey Young, the last game. That's okay. I'm fascinated to see his adjustment because I don't know if he has a left hand. That's, the one I'm, that's what I'm fascinated to see. So I, if he has a left hand, 
Atlanta has a chance. Mm. If he can like get to the basket and score three or four with his left hand. Why? Because now Brooke Lopez has to make a, a distinctive decision, trap him or let him finish at the basket. Mm -hmm. Because you can't stop Kyrie with some gimmick defense. You can't stop Derrick Rose. You can't stop Steph Curry. You can't stop John Morant. John Morant and, and Damian Lillard, you have to have a left hand at the basket. I want to see now Trey Young's ability to do that. If he does, I expect this to be a very, very close game. If he doesn't, I expect Milwaukee to win by 20, 25, 30 points for their series because they made an adjustment to say trailing, don't let him shoot the floater and the runner, just make him finish at the basket with his left hand. And suddenly, Brooke Lopez has an effective game. Mm. Great adjustment. Now, no one's supposed to know that little trick. So just keep that between us, Mo. But let's look out for it in game three because that is the key. Mm -hmm. That's the key. So mm -hmm. the only other way to counter that, Mo, is you have to play what's called what we call now vertical basketball. So Chris Paul is an interesting player is because Chris Paul doesn't finish at the basket with his left hand. But what he does do is if you give him a big, he will throw up the ball vertical. And now Chris Paul can do all of his, his little creative things yeah. in that little mid-range space because he never finishes at the basket. Yeah. But if you give him a big who can play vertical, Chris Paul is sensational. He is, he's, he's, he's better than good because he knows how to, he knows ankles, he knows how to do that little L. I call it the L off a screen roll where he comes yep. and then he goes. That little snake dribble. That you little snake dribble, put, whatever put you call it. Put the on your back. back. Yeah. Yes. 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 So these are, this. Is, but don't tell anyone, Mo. Hey, listen. That's <laughs> no, the point guard guru breaking anyone. that down right there. Hey. That's exclusive. That's a, that's a world exclusive right there.